0: um i started the recording and uh this is if i'm not mistaken episode 12 of eldar talks games uh my name is eldar basic and i am joined by and i hope i don't mispronounce it Von Hyde?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's my name, dude.
0: So, um, my girlfriend, she, I, I told her I was, um, I was podcasting with a uh, with the gentleman from Games Journalism slash, you know, the indie podcasting circuit named Von Hyde, and she went, "Oh, is he a Castlevania vampire?" And I said, "No, but he, yes, yes, you have a cool name." So. What's going on, man? Nice to to actually talk to you.
1: (laughs) My name is kind of interesting because it's like I'm not German or anything. Like normally people have kind of like cultural names. My dad just had like a friend that he thought the name Vaughn was cool and he liked the way he could write it. So he named me Vaughn and I was like, it's kind of depressing because I cannot write it the way you can. So, okay. But it is a cool name, I guess. I, I,
0: it is, man. Uh, you hail from uh, Northern America, Idaho, and you do a couple things online, right? You um, you are a co-host for Indie Pod, a indie games podcast. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think you've already explained this to me, but for for the viewers, or I'm, not, I'm sorry, not the viewers, the listeners, um, you worked in games journalism for Parallax Media. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I've, uh, I've written for a couple of different sites. Um, I wrote on my own for a little while. And then, yeah, I was senior editor at Parallax Media for a little while and then moved over and wrote for Handsome Phantom. And now I've kind of just struck out on my own, doing my own independent stuff.
0: What, uh, what are you, what are you doing on your own right now? Under what banner? Um, are you, do you have a blog or are you just focusing on podcasting or?
1: Right now I'm pretty much focusing on IndiePod and trying to like, it's, it's the thing I've seen the most traction with and the thing I enjoy in a joy the thing I enjoy the most. So I've been pretty much focusing on IndiePod. Um, I'm building a PC right now, so I'm going to start, once I actually finish it, there are a couple of different like review series and a couple of different features I really want to do. Um, but other than that, I'm going to try to focus mostly on video content. I'm going to set up like a new YouTube, because I've made video content for a while, but I'm not that proud of it, if I'm being honest. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go back to it and try to make something I'm proud of. I guess.
0: Dude, dude. Okay, so you are a bona fide Renaissance man slash content creator. You dabble not only in audio but in video and writing. And okay, I love that, dude. That that sort of that entrepreneurial video game spirit is awesome. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you specifically was because I saw that you you know you host an indie games podcast, and that's kind of one of my um, I guess it's one of the areas of uh, video games that I would like to have a little more strength in. So. I figured you know talking to somebody that talks about indie games would be super beneficial. Um, so we'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and start with breaking down what exactly um, what what drew you to indie games over AAA or double A.
1: Honestly, uh, the reason I started doing, I I guess the reason I want to focus on indie games was because I would go to sites constantly and just see them like so a new indie game would get announced or something like that. It it wouldn't be like a super big deal, but it was a big deal to me. And I thought it would look like it looked amazing when Moonlighter really came out other than in like PAX footage and possibly what you could see from like Nintendo Directs and stuff like that. Unless it was specialized footage, you wouldn't really see it on large gaming sites. And that kind of annoyed me because it seemed like something that was just ignored for the most part. But I mean, it's not like people... They have bandwidth, and they—they you have to worry about the amount of clicks that you can get on your site. So writing something about an indie game isn't necessarily going to get you those clicks. So I pretty much started there just because I felt like the coverage wasn't adequate. Like I, I, I pretty much, I guess, devoted my like podcasting, devoted whatever talent I have, however small to kind of spread in the word about indie games because nobody else seems to want to, I guess.
0: You know, um, that you, you, I think you bring up a really good point. As far as, like, m- mainstream games, media, like IGN, Pot, uh, GameSpot, uh, Polygon, like, for the most part, yeah, you jump on any one of those sites and you, what you see is, you know, Star Wars content, uh, Gears of War content, ha- uh, Halo content. Uh, the Witcher content, you know, all, all these huge things that draw in clicks. So uh, I guess I personally thank you for sh- shedding a light on um, on indie games and indie games coverage. Now, um, what sort of uh, what sort of indie games, you know, do you play? What sort of uh, what are you playing right now in the indie game scene? And what are your all time favorites?
1: Right now I'm playing an indie, call, uh, an indie game called Mana Spark. It's Kind of a, it's an isometric souls like roguelike I guess, which is a little weird. Um, I feel like any game with is that the format.
0: one that's on for super cheap?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, you're totally is that fine. the one that's
0: super cheap right now on Switch?
1: Yeah, it's it's like a dollar I think still. Yeah, I picked it up oh um like Gosh last it. week because I really needed an indie game to play for the podcast. I pretty much just like try to dedicate time every week to play indie games so we could talk about them on our podcast so i've uh i've been playing mana spark it's a lot of fun um i'm not super into roguelikes because and i often say this on my podcast i'm not that good at games and i feel like roguelikes either take diligence or talent and uh i don't really have either so yeah <laughs> Um, but roguelikes are tough, yeah. Roguelikes are really tough. I've been wanting to play more Enter the Gungeon for the longest time because I love that art style so much, but I just can't. I'm just so bad, it's kind of excessive. For like some all time favorite indie games, um, I have to call out the obvious ones because I talk about them literally all the time. I guess is why they'd be obvious if you'd listen to my content. Um, it would be like Hyperlight Drifter is one of my favorite indie games. Um, Hollow Knight, I talk about all mm. the time. Absolutely adore Hollow Knight. You brought up Bastion. Bastion is just it's fantastic. It's really the indie game that got me into mm. indies would be Bastion for the most part. Um there's, mm. there's kind of an excessive amount like Indies <laughs> it's Indies kind of are I guess the reason that marketplaces are so cluttered because there's just so many people making video games so there's like uh, hundreds of indies that come out every day and it's hard to hard to stick with any one of them um I still feel kind of like uh, depressed that I haven't played Undertale because that's like everyone's favorite indie game but sadly <clears throat> is my Me neither. Of knowledge really
0: oh no dude I have not played it yet I don't know why I keep putting it off <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's something about the art style or something that's not appealing to me in the promo footage or the I don't know what it is. I don't know why I can't play that game
1: yeah i'm i I don't really know why I haven't either like it's just this one gap in my knowledge, and I have to devote some time to play it because everyone really, really loves it, so I gotta check it out.
0: It's on, it's on Switch, if I'm not mistaken, right?
1: Oh, yeah. It's on all platforms now. Um, I even have it on PC. I literally own it. I just haven't played it.
0: Okay, so we're both probably going to have to sit down and play it and have a discussion about it, I think. I think that's what's going to have to happen.
1: That sounds good. Yeah, I've been waiting. I, I mean, I've been waiting to play it, so this sounds like a reason to, I guess.
0: So Bastion was the game that got you into it. I think for me... Um, I inadvertently played indies before I even I guess it's even knew what indies were, because in as a teenager, you know, going into my 20s, I, I started dabbling in Limbo and uh, Super Meat Boy and Hotline Miami. And I guess back then, like, that's that's kind of when the indie scene was starting to explode, right? That early aughts, so like like two like thousand nine through two thousand eleven, when you started seeing like the fruits of like Microsoft's like X, Microsoft's XNA program kind of start to flourish, and you started seeing these games like um, oh god, what was it? I get no, I guess Stardew Valley was a little bit later, but um, yeah, games like you know Limbo and Inside, and then Gone Home, I think was a big turning point for me. That was one of those games where I was like, oh shit. That was made by, like, a handful of people? Okay. So.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's the craziest thing about indie games is realizing that they're made by so few people. Like, the studios can be as small as just a solo dev, and then you play their game, and it's just as intricate, like, just as fantastic as any AAA game. Obviously, like, the graphics might be different, but it's still pretty fantastic to realize that fact.
0: Um. Yeah, especially whenever there, I rolled credits on I think it was Firewatch. And that one specifically stuck that that's one of my favorite uh that's one of my favorite video games probably ever. Um and I specifically remember how short the credits list was for that for the type of experience that it was. It was amazing.
1: Yeah, I adore Firewatch by Campo Santo. I think I I got into that when I worked for GameStop. Like I had heard like a couple of people talk about it and I just saw the art style and it's so beautiful. Like it looks painted and it also kind of brought me into, it was a weird lapse of two of my favorite things when they like, um, I like the aesthetic of the wilderness, but don't want to go outside. So yeah, firewatch was kind of my jam, I guess.
0: Um... Barbara is actually playing Breath of the Wild for the first time. And she almost verbatim said that she really enjoys it because she likes the aesthetic of, you know, feeling like it's outside, but not actually having to go outside. So I think I get that as well. You said earlier that you one of your one of your favorite um, indie games was Hollow Knight. Um, I was a little bit scared off of Hollow Knight because I had heard that not only was it an extremely long game but that it is extremely punishing and challenging and as somebody that just recently i guess in the past couple of years went through the entire souls catalog uh i'm a little i don't know if i have the energy for hollow knight what do you, would you would you say it's welcoming or is it really as hard as people say
1: it's it's difficult um but if somebody like me can get through it then anybody can like hollow knight is I would say it's easier than Dark Souls because Dark Souls has all those gimmicks. The the series have all those gimmicks where it's like, technically that's a bug, but it's touted as a feature. Like, people will always talk about um, their first interaction with Dark Souls where their sword would hit a wall, but then an enemy's sword wouldn't. Hollow Knight doesn't necessarily have anything like that. It has really, really solid platforming. And as long as you can better... uh memorize boss patterns then you're completely fine like i would say it's much easier to get into than any of the dark souls series like people might talk about hollow knight hollow knight <laughs> being hard but once you get past and you you figure out like the pogo technique which is just like in shovel knight or any other game that has a down thrust you just basically like point your nail downward and then just consistently hit and you could stay in the air for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, no, I wouldn't say it's especially hard. Like people who are afraid of certain indie games and stuff because they're hard, like the nicest thing about it is, is that it kind of like teaches you to learn from your mistakes and it doesn't punish you that much. All you might lose is Geo, but it's not going to set you back that far. You just go back to the last like bench you sat on, which are like save points. So. There's really like people who are worried about the difficulty about Hollow Knight or games like it, something like Celeste how it's extremely difficult platformer. Um as long as you mm-hmm. like take the time to learn how the game itself works and how the systems work, they're not hard at all and they actually become kind of like inviting. Especially the world of Hollow Knight, like there's so much lore to it, so much story that you it's really hard to understand from the outside looking in from different videos. Like there's a great YouTuber named Moss bag who puts out some really good hollow Knight content, but without the context of the game, it's kind of hard to really enjoy it. But once you play the game, it's fantastic. Easily one of my top five favorite games of all time, even though I haven't beaten it because I'm a bitch. Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> what? Um, oh, so you haven't beaten it. Okay. So no, huh? on that note, like, like indie games, that uh indie games are definitely the the subcategory of games that i find myself not beating more often than not like i can i can name three right off the bat like i don't you brought up celeste earlier and i don't i don't actually consider myself to have beaten celeste i got to the top of the mountain but i got i i did the assisted thing yeah. and uh i i, I kind of regret that i just didn't have it in me
1: yeah you might not have done the b-sides or the farewell DLCs well
0: Whenever I looked it up on YouTube, it just seemed so insurmountable and at at the time I was playing it, I was just like i don't have I don't have the mental capacity right now to get really fucking good at this game to to beat this content so I put that down
1: yeah i I have also done the same thing with Celeste,
0: yeah, it's just like the same thing happened to me as well in Outer Wilds. I kind of stopped playing the game halfway through, and I don't know. If we can consider, I guess we could probably consider that to be an indie game. Obviously, Um, um, and there was another one also that I could not finish it, but I I can't remember it. But but either way, like oh, uh, um, actually, hilariously enough, Astro Near was a game that uh, I I didn't get super far in because the mechanics kind of started grating on me. The story that you shared on Twitter uh, yesterday, by the way, was amazing. Thank you for sharing
1: that. Like, yeah, no clips documentary.
0: Yeah man, that was awesome. It's so sad. Like really mellow, really like I I just I wasn't expecting Paul's death, you know what I mean? Like it came out of
1: nowhere. Yeah, through the entire documentary they kind of like speak to him in past tense and I wondered why they did that for the longest time and then once it came up I was like, "Oh, that's fucked up." <laughs> I
0: I wasn't I wasn't expecting it at all. But it really goes to show like um the trials and tribulations that indie developers have to go through. I mean, usually more often than not, like whenever, I guess what, whenever, um, like, I, I guess that's one of the things I really love about indie game development and the stories in there is like games, like, um, what's it called? I'm trying to remember what it was, uh, stardew Valley, you know, they were started by just like one guy and his girlfriend was working and making ends meet and he was having all sorts of doubts. and um, what's it, uh, Sh- Shovel Knight was, you know, started by, what was it, like, six, six guys in just, like, just working, like, after work at night and stuff like that? Like, I love that. That's so cool. Like, there was another game that you and I were talking about in the, I guess, preload prelude before I started recording that you said had some cool, um, Foundations. Do you remember what games those were? I forgot.
1: Yeah, we were talking about like Bastion and Transistor. So before we get into those, I, I kind of want to um, ask you, what is your definition of an indie game?
0: I guess it would be a team of 50 or less with a budget of maybe like $100,000 to $150,000 or less that isn't necessarily published by like a major publisher. Um, That last one kind of leaves a little bit of room um little bit of wiggle room because I know Subnautica, let's say for example, was published by 2K Games and they also publish like huge games like Borderlands 2. Uh so that that part is I don't know, just something that that feels small, I guess. Right? Like Steamworld Dig 2 or like like definitely like Disco Elysium. Like those like that like that group of people, right? Just like kind of like a small team that I don't know, isn't AAA? I don't have I have a terrible definition. I don't know.
1: Yeah, no, I I don't criticize your definition because it's really really hard. Like indie games are probably the one genre of gaming where nobody actually has uh like a, a specific definition of them. They're like the the closest thing I've seen is something like um it's developed and published by the same individuals, but then you can consider like large games also to be indie games. There are several Mm -hmm. games like, uh, I think published by technically like developed and published by studios owned by like, uh, owned by these larger companies that, so like Ubisoft develops and publishes a lot of their games. So then it kind of, it kind of becomes like, a really ridiculous definition at that point. So then you have to go into like, <laughs> then is it about the team size? Is it the amount of money that they make? So like you brought up a uh, yacht club, yacht club had a really, really like really awesome Kickstarter and they made a lot of money off of it. But most people still consider shovel Knight to be an indie game. So then like price is also an issue because nobody knows how to actually define an indie game. It's so weird. Like it's, I have, everyone I talk to, I ask them that, like that question, what they define an indie game as, and then typically they'll bring up games like, um, so you'll be like, oh, what kind of, what do you believe an indie game is? And they would generally say like something that's not assisted by a large publisher. They'd be like, I really love Bastion. Bastion was published by WB. So it's like, then technically would that not be an indie mm. game? Like that's what makes indie games so hard. it's it's kind of weird it's something that we really struggled with when we're doing when we do like indie pod is like do we cover this now because it might not be an indie like an independent studio anymore or like what they did before Hmm. it's so weird it's so uncomfortable honestly because there's just no actual definition of an indie game
0: it's tricky because i I, i'm like i've been asked that before and i think I think a good barometer for defining indie games, I mean, it's probably going to have to come down to how much the game made. Right. I mean, like financially speaking, like the ceiling for how much a game can make, like, let's say if, or, or like number of copies sold, right. Cause if a game sells like 80,000, like, like Astro did, like they're still in the indie game bracket. But if a game obviously sells like 12 million, like monster hunter world, you know, we don't consider that an indie game. So it probably, it, it's probably going to have to go like the Hollywood way. And like, be defined by units sold and profit profit margin, you know? And I hate to cap, you know, capitalism it, but that's probably the way it's going to have to go because games like, like, like look at Return of the Oberdin, for example, right? Like, that's probably a pretty solid example of indie game, right? Return of the Oberdin, games like The Witness, you know, um, as far as I'm aware, those are still, you know, really really small studios but yeah like you mentioned earlier like bastion was uh published by warner brothers so who knows i don't know like the the definition is nebulous you also brought up ubisoft like do you did you ever play uh did you ever play child of light
1: yeah so that's when it comes into like uh child of light or what is it i want to say it's not lonesome heart it's something like that like uh there are the ub art titles and the like ea originals and mm-hmm. stuff like that where they're independent teams but they get like funding from large publishers so like uh te- like unravel is is that an indie game but is it not an indie game because it was it's ea yeah i don't know it's so weird and also bringing in like how many copies sold or how like much money something makes like shovel knight has sold i think over eight million copies um untitled goose game cleared like over a million a couple of months ago stardew valley has sold millions of copies it's like it's just so weird it's so hard to define an indie game and it's so uncomfortable
0: it's nebulous as shit
1: yeah so nebulous
0: like it's you can it's it's even it's even impossible to go off of like visual and just like pure feeling because if you saw child of light right and not knowing too much of like the pretense behind it You'd be like, oh, this is a nice indie game. Be like, no, Ubisoft made this. And you're like, oh, what the fuck?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're like, I, I don't understand anymore. It's like one of those moments where you're like, okay, whatever. <laughs> I I honestly don't think we'll we have, have like- We have not. I was just going to say, I honestly don't think we'll ever have a a con, like a like concise definition of an indie game until like everyone in the industry is just like, okay, dude, let's figure this shit out what is an indie game like was fucking you brought up the outer wilds earlier that is made by an incredibly small team but then is it not an indie game because uh they like published exclusively on pc on the epic game store but then later came to pc like steam it's so weird it's it's like one of the only things where like money actually comes into the fact and like people helping you like I, i don't know it's just so odd it's like how the definition of something, the genre can change just by a small thing, like somebody giving you some money. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. It's odd.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, out of wild specifically, they probably, they probably made a chunk of change after performing on Epic and steam and then going to game pass. Oh but yeah. That's, that's neither here nor there. Um, so, okay, that brings me to this question, because I've been I've been I've been trying to segue the conversation back to this because I'm always super curious. But you said you had what sounds like a readily available list of like your top five favorite games. Hollow Knight we now know is on there. I don't know where on there it is, but if you if you know your top five, just kinda like off kilter, like I would personally love to know it as well.
1: I would I would love to know off the top of my head my top five favorite games of all time, but it always like It always shifts and turns because like I is it it's kind of hard to define it because you I would need to know like, oh, my top five favorite games of all time are these the games that I love the most, the ones I played the most Um, and then trying to find out their order is really hard. So like the games that really mean a lot (laughs) to me um, would be like things like Psychonauts would be one of them. I absolutely adore Psychonauts, also a game that could be considered indie, but possibly not. Um, then, like, Hollow Knight, mm. of course. Um Hyperlight Drifter is also one of my favorite games. Um, I'm trying to think of even more of them, because there's, like, there's an excessive amount of games. <laughs> it's hard to find, like, specific ones. like Master I'm so happy to
0: hear that you're a fan of Psychonauts.
1: I adore Psychonauts. I, I made sure, like, once Limited Run announced the physical versions that they released, I had to buy it, and it's... Oh easily one of my favorite collector's editions i own um i also love like mass effect 2 that's absolutely one of my favorite like one of my favorite game series let alone uh just the game itself and then probably like i would say dragon age origins as well um if i could say the ultimate edition of dragon age origins that'd be great because that Includes all the DLC, but hmm. yeah, it all kind of depends on the day. What your favorite games are, because then, like tomorrow, a, an amazing MMO could come out, and I'd be like, my favorite game of all time, like right there. It's, or like, how much time you put into a game does that factor? It's kind of weird.
0: <laughs> it is. I think um, I, I, I've actually me and a coworker have been running a uh, an experiment at work. Where, um there is this website uh, I forgot what it's called um I'll link to it in the, in the description but basically you can make very very um you can make lists of like between 50 to 100 different properties and over the course of maybe like an hour you select each one so it actually orders like your favorite movies books food whatever it is you can make like an infinite list right so what I have done recently is I made like a list of my top 100 games. Oh, And what I came to find out was all of the games that I equated to being in my top 10 or even top five weren't – it wasn't correct. I don't know myself anymore because I'm like, oh, yeah, these top five. These are my top five games. But when push came to shove and like I had to pick between let's say like Dark Cloud 2 and um, Ark of the Lad on PS2. I, I i for whatever reason maybe like at that time i went with like Ark the lad because i liked it a little bit more so you you never really know like you're 100 percent right it changes by the fucking day
1: yeah let <laughs> like, alone like it's,
0: like it's absolutely nothing.
1: have you tried to revisit some of these games nowadays because now your tastes might have changed so you might like try to play Ark the lad and just be like i can't get through this i don't understand how i did when i was a kid
0: because tone, not only, like, when you, especially, yeah, especially when you go back to play, like, PS2, GameCube, Xbox games, like, not only, like, do tones change, but you're not ready sometimes for the level of difficulty or going back to, like, a, uh, like, a grid-based or JRPG, like, combat system, you're, like, sitting there, like, oh, my God, this is so slow. Like, tempo is something that's really important when when faced with, like, Generation 7 nostalgia, right? Um, I went back recently, Uh, I just got a GameCube, I picked one up at this local game store, and the first game I decided to play on it was Super Mario Sunshine, because I was like, oh, this is the continuation for, you know, the continuation of Super Mario 64 that I never got to experience, I experienced Super Mario 64, not Sunshine, and what I was faced with was a brutal, brutal, like, difficulty spike, like, that game is so hard, and... I'm I'm sitting here at twenty-eight years old, not not ready to accept the, the platforming shortcomings. So yeah, you're right. Games have changed. In 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 my head at least. I don't know.
1: Yeah, in a <laughs> in a way as modern gamers, we've been somewhat coddled by like accessibility features and stuff like that. Like we we're talking about Celeste's assist mode, and then you go back mm-hmm. and try to play these like these older games, like uh, a Mario. We're trying to go back and play metroid or something like that and it's just so much harder and you're like i don't remember ever being this good at games like i don't understand how i could ever do this as a child
0: oh i mean you want to talk about that like i also recently got a um sega genesis mini right yeah and you want to talk about like completely unforgivable like difficulty um these these games will straight up give you three lives um a what seems to be like like unfathomable amount of like like opportunities to get hit and if you lose all three lives that's it like and and like i'm playing through like let's say like let's say i'm playing through like space harrier right uh, and i die within like 40 seconds and i'm like oh cool i can just restart and it's like no it goes back to title screen i'm like god damn like you would pay for this it was nuts
1: yeah that's kind of the point those games were so difficult to try to get you to pay more money like it's so interesting that like way back when they made games so difficult to just try to get the next coin out of you to try to get those continues and now Mm -hmm. uh like from soft from software they make difficult games just like for nostalgia they make it for the art form Like difficulty has now become an art form, not just to get money out of you because now games have like a stable price. It's like 60 bucks pretty much.
0: Do you remember, um, do you remember a game called metal slug?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: So metal slug was one of those games. I I don't remember which iteration that was specifically designed to kill you over and over and over again, because it was a quarter popper. I remember seeing all sorts of games like that at like Chuck E. Cheese and like the games that specifically were like really difficult and that's just yeah, like like you said, that's like not a thing anymore. Like difficulty now is um I don't know, it's almost like a brand, right? In the Souls games. Like I tell people all the time, like I don't really think those games are hard. And I don't mean that in like a cocky way. I mean in the way of like it's not actually like difficulty like you understand it. The de- the death structure in souls is more of like a learning tool. It's not really it's not really difficulty. It's branded as difficult, but it's I mean, it's really not. Once you kind of understand that it's just a, a method of teaching but games back then you know in the Sega genesis nes games they weren't like that they were hard it was hard as fuck
1: <laughs> yeah now difficulty is about learning from your mistakes and then difficulty was about like freaking <laughs> turning you upside down and shaking you until all your coins fell out
0: um you said earlier that uh, one of your favorite games was dragon age origins
1: yeah mm-hmm. big fan of the dragon age um, series
0: what what I really, really enjoyed Inquisition. Now, as somebody who's only played Inquisition and has heard so much about origins, like just growing up, right? It was one it's, you know, kind of one of like that's a dark spot in like my knowledge. What is it about that game that made you that made it jump to like number whatever, like, you know, am referenceable. Like what 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 was so special about it? I'm always curious to hear what people say about that game
1: honestly um it's definitely not gameplay because the game does not have great gameplay it's kind of like i want to say like (laughs) some sort of like active time battle you don't actually you 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 have standard like hits you choose to attack somebody and then it doesn't auto attack then you can use skills every now and then so it's kind of like uh i would say kind of like tab targeting like that kind of a system similar to most like mmos Mm -hmm. um it's mostly just the world of Dragon Age origins I found so interesting like when I was a kid I I fell into it because like they put out the trailers that were really really beautiful and it was about like this team of five people basically like killing dragons and going down into um like going down into mines and like murdering f- grotesque beasts and stuff like that it was so interesting to me as like somebody who really loved fantasy like coming off fucking watching a shitload of the Lord of the Rings and then now Dragon Age Origins comes out and I was like ah this this is gonna get me and that also was a time like when you're a kid you have seemingly an infinite amount of time to put in to like video games and stuff like that or at least I did because I didn't give a shit about school I probably should have but didn't
0: same (laughs) same exact fucking same exact same fucking situation it was like oh man i could i could literally fail this math class if i don't do the homework but oblivion is also a thing that i can play like right now i could play oblivion or uh, mass effect or fuck dude the xbox 360 ruined my report card (laughs) i swear to god oh man (sighs) terrible
1: Yeah. Yeah. Dragon Age Origins was one of actually like the first games I got on the 360. And this is also coming off of like games that I really, really loved, like the Fable series. I played the original Fable, the Lost Chapters when I had an original Xbox. And that really, really got me into like, I would say, quote unquote, hardcore gaming. Like that's when I went from playing just casually, like every now and then to really just every day I came home from school, just playing games excessively and then i bought a 360 to play fable 2 because my friend had a 360 i played a little bit on his and i was like Mm. god this shit is so good and then i saw trailers for dragon age origins and i was like fuck this game looks so good and then when i actually got it, i was like this combat is dick but i think the dark spawn are really cool so (laughs) i'm gonna play this game
0: oh interesting okay so the xbox 360 was a formative console in your youth as well
1: yeah i think it is for most gamers nowadays like having uh a... most gamers
0: our age absolutely
1: yeah yeah because we didn't like i mean you might have had access to like and you probably had access to the original xbox or like a ps2 or something like that but i feel like at that time the ps2 was basically like for me at least in my family relegated to like a dvd player for the most part and then um hmm. once i got a hold of like I guess technically Pokemon was the reason that I got these new consoles because I wanted a uh, Gale of Darkness on the, like the GameCube. So my dad bought me a GameCube and an original Xbox. So I guess technically my gaming, like love comes from Pokemon, which is, I don't know. I love Pokemon, but I find that odd.
0: <laughs> did you, did did you say that you started with a Pokemon Stadium or a colored iteration of one of the RPG series?
1: Um, my initial like my initial Pokemon experience was playing the games on like Game Boy Color. I got a Game Boy Color from my grandma when I was super young and just got like a Pokemon Silver. And I really, really loved it. I played uh, Yellow, loved it as well. And then uh, my dad bought me a Game Boy Advanced when I was a little bit older and bought me, I believe he bought me Pokemon Ruby, which later I was like, "Ah, freaking ground on blows. I want Kyroger, if I'm being honest, but and then Emerald came out and I fell in love with Emerald because Rayquaza is a fucking space dragon and that's the coolest thing ever so fucking yeah dude yeah that that got me into it and then i had a cousin russell who had a gamecube in gale of darkness and i thought playing a pokemon game on a console would be so cool and then when i got it i was like this kind of blows why can i only catch other people's pokemon this is so fucking annoying oh,
0: on gamecube right yeah okay i remember i remember hearing complaints about that was it wasn't really that
1: bad <laughs> It's not, I don't think it's a bad game. It just changes the structure of the Pokemon game where instead of choosing from multiple starters and then going on to this larger kind of JRPG structure, it is, uh, you play this kid who lives in a world, like lives in the Pokemon world, but then shadow and like dark Pokemon start to show up. Um, and your father, like a professor, develops a device that allows you to catch dark Pokemon in like dark balls. So the whole game is like you trying to catch other people's Pokemon that just happen to be dark Pokemon. And you start off with an Eevee that you can evolve into whatever like Evolution you want with the exception of Umbreon and Esprion at the beginning, because those are more difficult and not just a stone. So that kind of blew too. But, and then yeah, Colosseum comes out and you've got Umbreon and Esprion, Espeon like immediately. And that was so cool. And there's trailers of the guy riding around on a fucking motorcycle. And I was like, man, this is dope. And then I played it and I was like, also not that interesting.
0: I, I specifically remember um, my first introduction to Pokemon because my dad, I guess, and and I, it's hard to really blame him because the logic is so sound. Like he got me a, uh, a game boy color and it was purple, but he thought the games as, as, as like, it it was, it it was so confusing, right? He thought the games and a little bit future, tech of him to assume that the games are already pre-installed, right? He was like, oh, the games are inside the, right? Because he would I was like, oh shit, like now that I look back at it I'm just like, oh my god, that actually, my dad was ahead of the fucking curve. Anyway, he thought all the games were in there, and it wasn't until my friend was like, no, you have to go buy the games I was like, what? Why? <laughs> and so my friend, he let me borrow his version of Pokemon Red, and that's how I started. And then I think maybe a few weeks later, I started playing uh, Pokemon Stadium, and then collecting the cards. And then before you knew it, I was—I had, like, Pokemon posters up in my room, right? So, yeah, it's interesting to know that, like, our, our generation started there, man. It's so cool. Like, I love that. Like, everyone has their own Pokemon story. And it's either it, – it usually starts with the Game Boy games. And nine times out of ten, we'll transition to the N64 games with Stadium, Snap. Which brings me to my next question. What happened to Stadium? You would think that would make so much fucking sense on the Switch. Like, what? I don't, I don't understand.
1: I should actually go back. I don't know if I said Stadium. I meant Coliseum. I've never actually played uh, Stadium because I never owned an N64. And now mm. I honestly, like, I I detest it. I load the N64 because of that controller. It's just so oh. disgusting.
0: Oh. Oof. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's been episodes I'm kidding.
1: Podcast <laughs> is over. <laughs>
0: no, no. The controller- the controller is actually really, it's really bad. But don't you feel like you've missed out on some primo, like, experiences? Like, are you are you telling me, like, you didn't play, like, Ocarina? Like, you missed out on all those? Or did you go back later and emulate them and all that and play it on 3DS?
1: So, interesting enough, I, like, I don't necessarily have a gap in knowledge when it comes to Nintendo. I've just never been, like, other than Pokemon, I've never been that interested in Nintendo's franchises for the most part, like, legend of zelda was always cool but it was never something i cared that much about like i i really don't know why honestly um and then like mario now i think he's just a dickhead but um way back when i don't know why (laughs) i i don't know why i thought like i i just wasn't into mario i played sunshine a little bit when i was a kid and it just wasn't that exciting i guess i i don't know i felt like I I probably just had a lower attention span and just wanted to play God of War, where I got to rip people apart and have sex with women. I guess I don't know. I was that kid.
0: Oh man, okay, I get that. I get that. Um, and I think that still kind of translates to my day to day like decision for like what I want to play. Like I could play The Witness or Fire Emblem Three Houses, but I could also play Doom and have instant murderous satisfaction. So I completely understand that. I completely understand your mentality there.
1: yeah it also like playing those games nowadays too like trying to decide between playing fire emblem three houses and playing something like doom is so hard because fire emblem three houses is such a time sink like now that we're adults and have money Mm -hmm. to buy all these games we want we don't have the time to play any of these fucking games so it's so annoying so I find oh, my I find myself constantly Preach. like wanting to play however many games like right now I'm feeling a Dark Souls itch. But I know for a fact that I'm going to play like fucking two bosses into that and then not want to play anymore because it's either too difficult or I just don't have the time.
0: Um. Yeah, I get that. Do you do you, do you track do you track your games? do you, Do you keep like an active backlog? I know a lot of people do nowadays. I do. But I was just curious if you do.
1: Um, I wouldn't say it's an active backlog. It's, it's it, for the most part, inactive. Like, I, I know I have an excessive amount of games because <laughs> I decided to start collecting them. And that just means I have shelves of games I, like, have never played. Like, people be like, Vanquished is such a good game. I can't believe it's coming to PlayStation. I'm like, yeah, I've owned it for, like, two years on PS3 and I still haven't fucking played it.
0: No, 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 no. no. Vanquish is <laughs> two and a half hours long. <laughs> you could literally make any, you can make all the time in the world. It's like an evening. You could beat that game in an evening. That game is so short. Um, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm a complete maniac when it comes to tracking. Like I will make my video game purchasing decisions based off of how long the game is. And if I have like room to play it. Like I recently beat The Witcher 3 and all of its expansions. And it took my friend like four years to convince me to do that. Like literally since the game came out, I was like actively fighting because I was like, no, this is 100 hours. And it got to the point where I was like, look, if I play The Witcher 3, you have to also understand I will never play Persona 5.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you don't want to put that 110 (laughs) hours whatever into it. Like Persona 5 is so fucking hard. Have
0: you played it? I I haven't. I haven't.
1: No, I just hear from everyone. Like, I, I played a tiny bit of it, and I played a small bit of Persona 4, and I love that world so much. I think it's so mm. cool, especially since, like, uh, Persona 4, the animation, I bought it a while ago, and it's so good. Mm. But I know for a fact that I'll never be able to finish those games, so I'm like, I don't even want to start it. I, I just can't.
0: So you also... Didn't finish Persona 4. I got about halfway through that game and just kind of was like, I can't, I don't have it anymore. I don't. It's too long. I got 50 hours in. I was like, I can't do any more turn-based. I have, I don't have it in me.
1: Yeah. I guess you really have to have like an affinity for JRPGs to really want to play Persona. Also on the other side of that coin, you said like somebody had to convince you for four years to play the Witcher. I have been playing the Witcher for four years and still haven't <laughs> beaten it. So I'm on the other side. <gasps> Whoa
0: uh that sounds like hell i can't imagine playing a game for four years straight and not beating in the four years like that sounds awful
1: because you're just like <laughs> you hop in and you hop out i like i never i i probably will like occasionally just feel the itch like when the witcher series came out i'm like dude i need to just get into the witcher beat them all it'll be great so i played a little bit of wild hunt and i was like you know what i actually want to understand the like the lore of this world so i want to play Witcher and The Witcher Two: Assassin of Kings. I'm gonna do that both. So I bought them both on PC, and then Jesus Christ. Once I did that, I was like, I'm gonna watch Log Horizon again, which is then gonna make me want to play an MMO. Which then I'm gonna play an MMO instead of playing The Witcher. That's like my life. I have basically just like I like gaming ADD. <laughs> I just never can stick with any one thing.
0: I think that's I think that's the general norm, right? Because right now we have unbelievable quantities of choice right i mean literally games come out for free now that are i mean like dude back in the day right you could you had like i don't know four or five games that were coming out a month of any like merit and so you could in theory kind of play everything nowadays good luck
1: Yeah, like, this month alone has both, like, Doom Eternal and Animal Crossing, let alone, like, the smaller games, Mm -hmm. like, Bleeding Edge, Neo 2, or In the Will of the Wisps, like, there's so much coming out every month that you're just Mm -hmm. like, this is kind of why it's a good idea to have a podcast that's about one specific niche, because I literally have to Mm -hmm. play indie games, so now I will play Bleeding Edge, or technically, I guess, Bleeding Edge might not be, but, like, or In the Will of the Wisps, I... I will have to play that game. I guess that's also might not be considered one depending yeah. on your taste, but
0: um we I will I will also be playing that one through Game Pass. So it's going to be interesting kind of talking to you about it and kind of bouncing ideas off cuz I'm I'm really excited for that one. Like I really loved um uh Blind Forest. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, I really, or really the loved Blind that game. Forest.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I really I think the world is so beautiful and it's so depressing, but also exciting at the same time Ori is, is very, very special. And it blew so hard that it got like delayed. It's delay was so weird because (laughs) just randomly at the game awards at the end of a trailer, they're just like, it's March 11th. And you're like, wait, what? No, it's not. It's coming out in like February. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, Nope. March 11th.
0: Oh fuck. Yeah. Um, It's like the Pixar movie that was almost the Pixar movie, but thank God it's actually a game. (laughs) But, uh, man. Okay. Um, I hate to say it. We've, we've definitely ran a little long. We're almost an hour, (laughs) but it's, it's been, it's been a tremendous conversation if I'm being honest. So
1: yeah, I tend to ramble having me on a podcast is like a guaranteed hour or two hours. It's, it's pretty excessive.
0: No, that's awesome. Like, um, I, you know, usually I'll, I'll run about maybe 20 to 30 minutes just because usually my guests are kind of short winded. And uh, if I'm being honest, like I I love long, long form. So um, I know that there's, you know, a little something, something that you and I should probably talk about after the recording. But for now, I think, you know, I think we've come to a good stopping point. I think, you know, we've kind of gotten to know you. Um, I guess at this point, I would like it if you could plug you know, what you do, where you do it and how you do it. And we'll go ahead and close out the show. But yeah, if you don't mind like throwing out your social links, feel free. Go ahead.
1: Okay awesome um you can follow my indie games podcast it's uh indie pod and indie games podcast on twitter at indie pod super easy just i-n-d-i-e-p-o-d no space no anything super easy um you can follow me at Hyde legion that's h-y-d-l-e-g-i-o-n on twitter um i really don't talk about much other than just like random stupid ass jokes in indie games so if you like that Check that out. Um, and I'm also part of a podcasting network called the HP Video Game Podcast Network. Uh, so check out some of those shows. Uh, Active Quest is one of them. They're my really good friends, just the guys on there, and their podcast is great. I listen to it every week. So, um, other than that, yeah, you could check out like Handsome Phantom, which I have written for. You could check out my works there uh, Parallax Media as well. I have written for them, bunch of great sites. Yeah, that's that's mostly it for right now. I'm going to be working on things later once I get my whole setup done. But until then, that's pretty much it.
0: Beautiful, man. You're a renaissance man. You're an indie podcaster, journalist. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, this has been episode 12 of LR Talks Games. Uh, we're a monthly interview-based show, and we will see you next month. Uh, this particular episode is sponsored by 8bit.net. Uh, go ahead and check them out. And we will see you guys next month. Thanks for listening, and welcome to the club,